Matthew 10, verse 40 through 42, Jesus says, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet, the name of a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the word of God for the people of God. So have you ever ordered something online or picked up a box and purchased something and on the side it said some assembly required? I've had that experience. Not been the best experiences of my life. I've tried it on a number of occasions. One of two things happen. Often if I'm able to actually put it together following the instructions, I then look down and think, where did these two screws belong? Or it can go the other way. The instructions can have a diagram and show you you're supposed to use this particular part at this particular stage. And you look through the packets, and there's no part that looks like that. You look again thinking, I must have missed it. It's still not there. Patience is not my strongest virtue. So by then, I'm yelling, Mary, and calling my wife. said, look at these packets. Find this piece. She looks through, and it's not there. Words are then uttered that should not be repeated here. (laughs) It can be so frustrating. Instructions can be of great help, but they can also be so frustrating and confusing and sometimes even confounding. Chapter 10 in Matthew consists of instructions For the 12 disciples, these 12 who've committed to be followers, learners, disciples of Jesus. They are the ones who are supposed to move the work ahead, to carry on the mission of Christ, to carry on and proclaim what God is doing through Christ in the world. We read an earlier part of the same speech or the same teaching last Sunday morning. It was right at the end of chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Jesus says to these disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Ask the Lord, or what we would call prayer. Jesus says, There's lots of needs out there in the world. There are not enough people trying to help meet those needs. We need more laborers. So he says, ask God, ask the Lord for more laborers to join in the work of the harvest. So Jesus makes prayer an integral part of our life as disciples and as part of how we undertake any mission in his name. He says, ask for more help. Ask that more feel this calling to serve and love others. 
So the idea here for us is as we're going through life, we should be praying and looking for other people to be a part of this mission of Christ. We should be looking for others to join us in this proclamation. As you go through chapter 10 and Jesus is talking about the mission, he says the thing that we should be proclaiming is that the kingdom of heaven has come near. But he says right off the top, not everyone's going to be responsive. Down in verse 14 there in chapter 10, he goes on to say, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. That is, move along, stay with those who want to learn more, who want to join the mission, but you need not fight with others who are not. And he says, in fact, Just expect that not everyone's going to join up. This is going to lead you into some dangerous places. In verse 16, he says, See, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Then he goes on to talk about fear and says, be bold. God is with you in this. When you respond to this invitation to be a disciple of mine, to be one who's a part of this movement for justice and fairness, this movement trying to spread love and willingness to serve others, expect that at some points it's just going to be divisive. That your friends might turn against you. Even family members might not agree with you. It's not all going to be roses here and then after he says that he uses the image of taking up the cross or carrying your cross as the image for what this mission and ministry is going to look at then in verse 39 he says those who find their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it Jesus is preparing the disciples for this difficult work of ministry. Now, the portion we read today has to do with discernment. How do you go about living this out? How do you know who to partner with? Who's listening? How do you know how to respond to people in different situations? Our text today, in summary, says, look for those who welcome you. Look for those who welcome you. It's sort of like Mr. Rogers used to say to kids, they find themselves in a crisis. Look for the helpers. Look for those who want to help. Verse 40, he says, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. He goes further to say, this welcome that you're receiving or that you're offering does not have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be a grand banquet or a large party. It can be as simple as offering someone a cup of cold water on a hot day. Simple gestures of welcome make a difference, Jesus is saying. As you walk through your life of faith, look for those who welcome you. Look for those who support you. Look for those who welcome this message of love and justice and fairness and mercy and grace being poured out upon all the people. 
was thinking about our life here together at Boston Avenue and was reminded of our work area on missions work the last year or so, they decided that in terms of our national mission work, if they could identify one partner, one place where we could go over and over again, perhaps we would have a greater impact than the way we had been doing it, which was going to different places, but usually just once and then moving on. So they went through a whole discernment process where they spent months looking at all the different United Methodist-related ministries in our region. And they finally came down and chose McCurdy Ministries. But part of that process was not only looking at the information, but praying about where God might be leading us, but also looking for a partner who wanted to be in a partnership, who wanted to work over a longer term, over a process of years, working on a number of different projects. We finally came down and decided McCurdy Ministries was the place. I don't think it's too strong to say part of the reason we chose them is that they welcomed us into the partnership. We went to serve and found ourselves being served or blessed. We shared love and had the experience of having experienced the love being shared with us as well. Herein lies the good news. Not only is the kingdom of heaven at hand, but living the way of the kingdom brings rewards. We can see this if we do a quick word study that's a Greek word used, I'm going to tell you about, that's translated in different ways within the scriptures. Sometimes it's translated as piety. Sometimes it's translated as righteousness. Sometimes it's translated as justice. And Dr. Amy Jill Levine says all of that is tied to a Hebrew word for justice or serving the poor or giving to the poor. The Greek word is dikaiosene. I'm going to read you a few verses out of Matthew where it's used to translate different words so we can see what Jesus is getting at in terms of what a full life of ministry looks like. In chapter 6, in verse 1, this word dikaiosene is used as translated as piety. Jesus says this, Beware of practicing your piety before others, in order to be seen by them. But then if you just flip over a page, still chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus is still speaking and says, But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, dikaiosene, the same word as piety. Strive for God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But then if you have your Bibles open or following along, flip over to chapter 23, still in Matthew. Jesus is still speaking. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, dikaiosene, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. And then Dr. Amy Jill Levine tells us that in the Hebrew, the word for justice, zadik, when translated into the Christian scriptures, guess what the Greek word is? Dikaiosene, 
She says in the Hebrew it means not only justice, but the people of faith are serving the poor and those in need. That we are the ones who are willing to give out of our own substance to help somebody else's life be improved or enriched. So all these concepts in our faith tie together our spiritual practices, our piety, have to do with our righteousness or right standing with God, but also have to do with justice and fairness, that is, our relationship with others. The teachings of Jesus reveal that our spiritual life, at its best, incorporates both a right relationship with God and with our neighbors. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, was really clear about this. He talked about it on a number of occasions. He talked about there's personal holiness or personal faith and also social holiness or social faith and that they're two sides of the same coin. If your spiritual life is going to be full, you have both inward and what he called outward holiness of faith and life. It's this idea from the great commandment that Our spiritual life is not just about me or even about me and my relationship with God, but that that relationship with God pours out into relationship with others so that more people come to know the love and the grace of God, but also they experience in their lives greater fairness and justice and mercy. It's an idea of what a full Christian life should be like it's it's what every one of our lives as disciples of Christ should look like in our United Methodist book of discipline it has all kinds of guidelines for how you run a church but it also in the front has a short section of history then a short section on doctrine and theology that is what we believe as United Methodist about faith I want to read you just a few sentences out of this we, or United Methodist, insist that personal salvation always involves Christian mission and service to the world. By joining heart and hand, we assert that personal religion, evangelical witness, and Christian social action are reciprocal and mutually reinforcing scriptural holiness entails more than personal piety love of god is always linked with love of neighbor a passion for justice and renewal in the life of the world i was looking at Dr. Amy Jill Levine's book on the Sermon on the Mount, where she's looking at Matthew and the things that Jesus teaches, she reminded me of that old joke about the police officer pulling over a motorist. The motorist jumps out of the car, and as the police officer comes toward him, says in an elevated tone, why did you pull me over? What did I do wrong? And the police officer said, well, you screeched up to this intersection, honked at the old lady in the crosswalk, signaled with your middle finger to the car who passed you, stuck your head out the window, and yelled obscenities at the car in front of you. 
Given these bumper stickers I'm reading here that says, God is my co-pilot and honk if you love Jesus, this car must be stolen. <laughs> Sometimes we do really well in our walk of faith. And other times, not so well. This text is encouraging us to live out our faith and to make sure that Jesus is at the center of our life in terms of all we say and do. If we're going to be disciples in our own time, as Jesus teaches disciples in his time, then we have to discern what does that look like for me in my day-to-day living It's more than just coming to church. It's more even than just worshiping or praying to God. It has to do with how we interact with our neighbors, with our friends, with our co-workers, with people with whom we live in this community. Jesus says, sure, God loves us all. He starts his ministry, particularly the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, saying there's blessings for everyone. But then as people begin to respond to the message, he begins to challenge them to pass on the blessings, to trumpet the message at the places they live and work or go to school or socialize. When they move around the community, Jesus is saying people should be able to see in how you live this proclamation that the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, we love it when someone else welcomes us, and Jesus says to look at that. But also, we have to be thinking about how we welcome one and all who are seeking a relationship with Christ. What we hope to do at this church is welcome anyone who's coming, no matter where they've been or what their walk in life has looked like. If they're coming seeking a relationship with Christ, we want to welcome them. We want to walk with them. We want to proclaim this good news to them. It might be something different for all of us it could be inviting someone to come to church with you or volunteering to be a greeter at the door but just as easily it could be welcoming or greeting someone new that moved onto your street or is new in your place of work or is new where you go to school there's so many different ways that we can serve others where we can Do something as simple as pass out a cup of cold water or a couple of dozen of our people out here on Boston on Friday night because there was the 5K rainbow run, and that's what they were doing. They were passing out cups of cool water to the runners. But a bunch of them and others were back on Saturday helping welcome people who were coming to the parade. There was a whole different group at the concert with Sistema on Friday night. They set up a whole potluck. So after the concert, anyone and everyone who wanted some refreshment could eat and fellowship together, and we could build community and welcome all these different people from the family of God into this place of faith. But it might so just as easily be praying for somebody or reading a book and sharing what you learn for someone else's enrichment. It might be like volunteering here at the church, but it could also be volunteering at Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church, our sister church. They have an ongoing daily feeding ministry. We've been partnering with them now for months. Every time I'm there, they say to me, your people have been such a blessing. They're coming 
week after week to help us in this ministry that God has called us to, to serve the underserved in our community. Or it might be volunteering to go on one of these mission trips like to McCurdy or other places where we put together a team and we pray and plan over the course of months and then we go and serve for a week or two to help those in that place do the same thing Jesus is talking about in the passage today. It might be volunteering at the elementary school, Burroughs Elementary is our partner elementary school. Several of our people go there to help out, to enrich the education experience of those students. So many different ways we can proclaim the good news. It's not just those of us in robes standing at this pulpit. It's all of us coming together to worship, to be empowered, and then going back into the world to serve. Oh, Jesus says it's not going to be easy. But he still says, this is the calling, this is the mission, and he sends us out, hopefully filled with the love and power and presence of the Holy Spirit to lead us into the world. If I was going to summarize this whole chapter of all these teachings of Jesus, it seems to me that what he says, the pattern he points out, is to pray first, and then to put our prayers into action than to live out our faith as john wesley said it's faith working itself out in love may it be so for each and every one of us